This week, folks, we're getting into the nitty-gritty. I'm Alex Fetkovic, and my guest is Andreas Larsson, creative director of Stockholm-based menswear brand Berg & Berg. Berg & Berg bills itself as a classic menswear brand with contemporary sensibility, an attitude that Andreas has been key to developing in recent years. I wanted to unpick exactly what this means, and just to get to know a guy I've admired from afar a little better. I didn't have any particular expectations for this interview, but Andreas proved himself to be pretty damn switched on, and his thoughts on sustainability within menswear in particular made for a bit of a mic drop moment, well worth taking on board. So, without further ado, here's how our chat went down. Andreas, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for taking some time out, joining us in our pokey apartment in uh, Pitiomo. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Climbing thank you. about a million stairs to get to us. Um, it's very kind of you. I am, um, I'm intrigued to just sort of dive straight in because we've never met before. And this is one of those conversations where I get to learn as much as, as our lovely listeners tuning in. Um, so we're going to begin at the beginning. What got you into clothes? Where does your passion for clothing come from? It's a very good question. I mean, uh, being a, a young guy in northern Sweden, it's not super common to, to take this uh, like path in, in life. Uh, but for me, it's always been like into design and the color and shape. Uh, but then that I got into clothing was not, not something was super decided from, from early days. It was some sort of development. Things I liked, things I did, and then I'm like, ah, oh, this is something interesting. This is a way to express myself, uh, to show off. Love it. <laughs> yeah, that's where we all start. Um, but I mean, in in the beginning, it was more like, oh, this is nice. This is something I'll, I like, but not something that I, I could do for a living. Mm. Really, a passion or interest. What What is it about all you thoroughly stylish Scandinavian chaps? You're so much more tuned into design than the rest of us. I was had absolutely no awareness of design as a teenager or a kid. I looked uh, bloody awful. That's just something we say. I mean, look back 10 years. <laughs> I mean, I thought that I had an idea of, of design and fashion, but it was crazy. Me as a ginger, I, I mean, I matched with the uh, orange sweater. It was not a great decision. Great look. Yeah, well, great well. look. Tone on tone. <laughs> yeah, fabulous. <laughs> okay, so uh, interested in design from a young age. You, you sort of almost, it sounds like, fell into clothing. It was just a thing that you started experimenting with. More, more or less. And then in my late teens, I started to work in a, a menswear shop. Um, and I was still playing football. And that was what I was aiming for. And during that summer when I worked there, I realized that huh, this is quite fun. Right. But it's not a real job. <laughs> okay. So you were like, was it like it was like a Saturday job? Yeah, well, yeah, and during the summer, during the holidays. Right. Um, and the plan was to, to start on the university. So I moved to, to Stockholm, which is the capital. Uh, I started to study at the Royal School of Technology. Cool. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, <laughs> after two weeks, I realized that this is not my thing. Ah. I should do something that I'm passionate about, that's something that I really like. And I thought, okay, I'm not playing football anymore. So what do I like? Okay, clothing. Really interesting. And it literally just took you two weeks and you were like, no, yeah. I'm out. I know what I'm doing. Then I went out for searching for jobs and I got a job quite uh, quite quick in a store. And then 
I started work as a shop manager and then I realized, okay, I want to take the next step. And then I applied for a textile university. Ah, okay. So you effectively went back to uni. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or back. I'm not sure if I... <laughs> <laughs> you, two you, weeks. You repeated two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really interesting. Weirdly, a similar thing happened to me when I started out because I was kindly offered an internship at the Rake magazine as an intern. Yeah. I had never even thought about journalism. i just graduated from uni, didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be in menswear marketing. So I did three months at the Rake. Still quite uh, specific. True. I wanted to like, I had a thing about Savile Row and German Street, even, even back then when I was sort of nudging like 2021. And I knew I wanted to work with brands like that. But I did this random three months at the rate because it was offered to me. Then I got an internship in the marketing department at Geeves and Hawks. And I thought, yes, this is it. I'm in. Boom. I did four days at Geeves and Hawks. <laughs> and on the Friday, I was like, nah, I want the rake. And that was it. I was straight back. It's funny how that happens. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's what's charming. They run into stuff or fall into stuff. I mean, that's how it should be. And you just go by my passion and heart. So did you, did you fall into your current role as creative director at Bergenberg? How did that come about? More or less. Um, I was st staying in Italy um, during my, my final um, term um, in Torino. Um, and I was also staying with uh, Vital Barberes Canonico as a uh, trainee during the same time. Wicked. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm moving home. But what, I have no plan. And I was like two months left. So I thought, okay, there are like five places that I would look, like to go uh, without naming any. Uh, some was uh, London-based, some was Korean-based. Uh, and then we had a few companies in Stockholm. And I've always been following uh, Bergenberg. But I thought, like, ah, they might be too small to hire me. I mean, no experience or real experience in design or product development. Only like what I've been learning in school. But hey, like, let's, let's try. Yeah. Uh, and Matthias, one of the, uh, the founding partners, he said, ah, your profile is interesting. We don't have an opening right now, but we'd love to meet you. Okay, let's meet. Uh, we had a really good connection. And um, I mean, they start out on private label basis, more or less, um, with accessories and um, yeah, more simple uh, stuff. Um, oh, is that how the business started? It yeah. was like, oh, interesting. It actually, it started out with a box in Oslo, uh, the Norwegian capital. So like, okay, I'm super passionate about menswear. He was style for a nerd, for sure. Ah. Um, and he went down here, um, found some uh, suppliers, and then it kicked off. So you, you met with uh, Matthias, yeah. and he was interested. Yeah. Uh, well, f good first date um, <laughs> and then uh, after a while we kept contact and I thought oh, this is really what I want to do uh, but then I got another offer from a, from a London company I thought okay I need, a, I need to know if he wants me or not I can't like turn it down and don't know if I'm going to get the other one or whatever but this is my, my first thing so I contacted him and said hey I understand that you can't hire me right now, like budget-wise and that kind of stuff. But if you like me and my profile, let me know when you could get me started. 
and I will do it. I will get something else, like paying my bills until then. Ah, okay. Uh, and then like uh, two weeks later, we signed the contract and I started like six months later. I mean, that's pretty trusting, actually. You were prepared to trust trust the founders yeah. that they were going to come good on their word. No, but I really thought that this is a nice project for me. Uh, I mean, in a good position to develop the brand and for me to like, even as a junior person, have a senior role, sort of. Yeah. Um, starting that's, that's the joy of small independent companies, isn't exactly. it? Is you get really hands-on really quickly. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's spend a bit of time on Bergenberg then because I'm thrilled to have you on because it's sort of, it's the, the brand seems to be on having a really great upwards trajectory at the yeah. moment. Right. And my, my kind of attention has been drawn to it recently by one of our former guests from season one, Jamie Ferguson, who has bought half your collection and is yeah. currently rocking round pity in it. I love um, him for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason, but no. <laughs> I hope you heard that, Jamie. Um, so it's really cool. You, the, the brand kind of philosophy is a classic menswear brand with a contemporary approach. Can you unpick that a little bit for me? Yeah, I know it sounds like two different worlds. Uh, but sort of the thing is, I'm not into the monocle and cone thing. Mm-hmm. It should be a bit more up to date. I mean, it sprung from classic stuff or traditions and respect, we respect the traditions, but it's not like a guidebook that we need to follow. Mm. For us, being a Scandinavian brand without any long heritage of uh, classic tailoring, I think that's one of the charming things too, that we're quite free to do whatever we like. I would take some inspiration from, from the Isles, from uh, um, Italy, from US, and then put it together in a, with a Scandinavian touch. Yeah. It's not like, ah, it has to be several construction or... No, exactly. You can kind of rewrite your own rules, can't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. That's nice. And one of the things that I do really enjoy about the brand is you... We're going to talk about your attention to manufacturing shortly, aren't we? But there, there is a... It has that sort of unidentifiable Scandinavian minimalism and cleanliness. But there's a real sense of fun that comes through as well. I like the the little stories you do on your website and the little photo essays because the styling is really easy and breezy and it feels very natural. I'm happy to hear that because that's what I aim for yeah, good. <laughs> while styling or making a product, but I'm not really sure that's, that that what comes out. Mm. Um, and I mean, the Scandinavian vibe is, it could be so much different things, but for me, a lot is like the colorways and the combinations. It's, it's not it's colorful but not super bright or popping it's still quite quite muted That's muted the, interestingly for context listeners we're recording this in in january and the, the bergenberg sale kicked off yesterday and i was looking at it and you know you scroll through the website and there are loads of these lovely fabulous earthy tones that feel very scandinavian and then you'll just go oh hello Bright yellow corduroy trousers. <laughs> Could get into those. Yeah, that's, that's my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. I was blown away. I'm like, okay, could we get 10 pairs? Yeah, okay, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. It's all about having some fun, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it's not dead serious. Awesome. So the brand is, is kind of very, very uh, concerned with, with the direction that you move in, right? Like, as you've said, it's respectful of tradition, but it's fundamentally fresher. Um, Hopefully. Why do you think that is that now is the time to have a brand like Bergenberg gently pushing the boundaries? Uh, really hard to say, but I think, uh, I mean, if you look in general, there's 
no place where you need a you don't need a suit or a nice pair of trousers in in the sense that we make them but we make it a bit funner uh, in a way that you could actually wear them in an office environment where you don't really need to be so smart mm-hmm. um, but still if you would like to you could wear it and it's not strange it doesn't look like a business suit or like a, you had a odd pair of trousers with a shiny feel we try to find matte things that are I mean it's not a problem if you're not interested in it but if you're, in, you're into it you will see it's uh, amazing stuff mm-hmm. um, less braggy yeah easy yeah that's what, what we're aiming for so okay so that in, that's interesting so so who give me like the elevator pitch of who you think the Bergenberg customer is then I'm trying to piece together a, the, the vision the ones I met uh, they're like 190 glasses skinny running eating quinoa <laughs> no but <laughs> frankly speaking sounds, sounds like me <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> no but interested in general in in design in culture uh, well educated people um not necessarily having like bank jobs, mm-hmm. but they're really like into products and they want to buy things with a, a real value, not only a brand. Mm. So um, I think in general they are aware of stuff. And I, I mean that's that's it kind of music to my ears because you're kind of describing the demographic that I think a lot of Savile Row and German Street need to be going after yeah. in the UK that they miss. Yeah, it's the mess. I mean. You can't aim for people that doesn't ex- exist anymore. I yeah. mean, you have to go for some sort of semi-commercial Or way. brands try and go for everyone at once. Like, yeah. I've got some big issues with, with, with a lot of the high street brands in the UK at the moment who are trying to sell one part of a huge, unwieldy, not very thought-through collection to a 70-year-old and then one a different, completely different sub-brand to a 22-year-old who is still shopping in Topman and really couldn't care about your kind of sort of mid-market, middle-aged brand. I really struggle with that. Um, I think, yeah, it's refreshing to sit here with a creative who knows exactly who he's going after and, and wants to just get on and do it. Yeah, instead of doing it all for everyone all the time. I mean, yeah, that, that's, it's quite easy to do that. But, I mean, if for long term, it's... Like you're shooting yourself in the... It's a disaster, yeah. isn't it? You can't, you can't talk to everyone at once. You, you've got to pick. I, 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 we we've, we've say it time and again on this podcast, do one thing, do it well. And, and quality is the other part of the equation, right? Now, yeah, I've, sure. I've, as I've been kind of researching for this episode, I've been struck by how open you are as a brand about your suppliers and the factories you work with and your approach to manufacturing. Would you tell me a little bit about that? No, for us, it's super important to be transparent because we're working with high-end uh, makers, but I don't see a problem with people knowing where we make the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can say, ah, if someone would like to copy your things, okay, well, do it. Go, yeah. go to the factory, do it. <laughs> I think uh, the makers will be like, no, you can't. You can't do the same. Or Because you have good relationships. Yeah, exactly. And that's the important thing. We don't change every season. Just to, like for two euros here and there. For us, it's much more getting close to, to the makers. Mm-hmm. They are sort of a part of our team. For a small company like us, it's super important for us to have this sort of relationship where they make the, I mean, they make some of the buying for fabrics and sometimes we do it, but it's not a problem for them to make it for us. 
So there's actually, so you, you've developed, you've got to a point as a brand where you have a really good kind of dialogue and different factories will help you out in different ways. And yeah, exactly. You don't really pay for samples or, I mean, it's a super tight thing and they know that uh, they can trust us. It's yeah. not the way we make a sample and then we go to another factory in yeah, mainline in China off. or wherever or another Italian maker. Uh, That's really important. So, so obviously we've, we've sort of, we're looking at your kind of brand values We've got, um, you know, a sort of directional approach to classic menswear, but it sounds like uh, honesty is important to Bergenberg. Yeah, of course. I mean, to be aware and to, we should be a, a label where you could trust us, what we offer. That's why we want to show it. And like, this is us. This is what we offer. You like it? I hope so. If you're not liking it, Sorry. So, so what would you say? I'd love to talk about this. What would you say to traditionalists who find the idea that you're you're creating really easy, comfortable kind of creative tailoring, and that it's almost meant to not be worn in a very classical way, but it's meant to be freshened up and played with? I mean, it's all up to you. I mean, once again, we're not setting rules. I mean, what we're trying to put out on social media and on on the site—that's our way of um, presenting it. But it's not like you only could wear it in one way. Mm. And I think that's the charm with, uh, with tailoring now. It's without rules, wear it with a tie and it could be quite formal. Wear it with um, a jersey, sweater, it's super casual. Why should we say no to people? I mean, sure, if they are super traditional and think that we're doing lame stuff that are for kids or too trendy. Yeah, that's up to them. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, so I again am refreshed to hear that. Um, let's let's touch on I think what you described earlier as the monocle and comb <laughs> crew. Um, what I call it the monocle mafia. The monocle mafia, very good. What is your own personal attitude to the monocle mafia? I think the the problem for me is that it's so many rules and stuff should be like this or like that is less playful for me it's it gets too boring mm. i mean i'm born 92 i'm not born in the early 20s yeah okay like that direct <laughs> <laughs> straight i'm kind of with you <laughs> i um I'm, i yeah i've found, i've spent probably really since we launched the podcast or maybe a little bit before i've been really enjoying pushing boundaries just yeah. within our own little framework and doing mad stuff like wearing you know cowboy boots again and things like that that I'm quite enjoying and there is always someone on Instagram who gives me flack for mixing up I just don't understand it it's I just don't understand why you care so much about whether I want to wear white socks or not no and I don't understand why you care so much about what other people wear yeah I mean this but this actually this is lovely because so many of the conversations we have come back to this point I'm going to say it again, you know, clothes are for the man that wears the clothes, right? Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm digging about, about you and Bergenberg at the moment is you just get this lovely sense of self-assurity that comes through the brand that not all brands have actually. Mm. Um, I quite like the, uh, I quite like the, we don't care what you thinkness about it. I think that's <laughs> quite nice. Lovely people, by now you'll doubtless be familiar with this season's sponsor, the luxury Italian shirting mill Thomas Mason, but we wanted to remind you that time is running out to enter our listener competition, whereby you can win three 
Not one, not two, but yes, three brand spanking new bespoke shirts cut by Turnbull and Asser in any Thomas Mason bespoke cloth, and there are plenty to choose from. The offer is redeemable at Turnbull's London Davies Street or New York stores, and two listeners have the chance to win. To enter, simply visit handcutradio.com forward slash Thomas Mason and plug in your email address. The lucky two will hear from us at the season's close. It's a really great competition, this, mixing the best of British shirt making with world-class shirting cloth. So don't miss out. Best of luck, and I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Now on with the podcast. So, okay, let's, um, let's change tack. I wanted to also pick up on the fact that you're purely an online retailer. Yeah, sure. Um, selling tailoring online is tricky, and yet you make a success of it. Yeah, it is. I mean, last year we sold, uh, not tailoring, but um, clothing in general to tw- uh, 75 countries. Wow. Uh, I mean, we're still a small company, but we have a small mass in, in all those countries, which is lovely. Um, but th- th- I think the big thing is not to offer a nice product that looks good. It's to communicate the size and the fitting because you get, really get one chance. Mm. If you're disappointed with the first one, you won't come back. I mean, in a, in a physical store, you could ah, try this size instead. We make some alternations. We don't really get that chance. So we have to, like, to push it and try to do better, better and better. Of course, better products, but also communicate the product better. Right. And, and how do you do that as a brand? Do you, what, do you pay extra attention to kind of fit visuals and things like that? We try to, but we, I think we have still a lot of, to learn. I mean, we could do better for sure mm. uh, with measuring guides and all that stuff. Talk to me about how you're wearing your clothes at the moment and what you're liking and not liking. For me, it's now recently becoming a dad. It's even more about being comfortable. Right. Of course, I want to look good, but... I mean, I still have a radio face, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. I shan't hear of that as you sit, sit opposite me. I'm just trying my best. <laughs> no, but it's super important for me to, to be um, feeling relaxed without looking too relaxed. I mean, it's a, a balance. Mm. Uh, if you ask my friends that work in, like, in the real uh, fashion scene for, for like, high-end brands... They think that I look like an old man, like the Monocle Mafia. Do they really? Yeah, So for they sure. don't see a distinction between how you dress and how a three-piece suit and, and tie and lapel yeah, chain Maybe they, they would, but for them, I'm like the old man. Wow, that's interesting. It gives you some perspective. Mm, okay, I guess, I think, I think unless you are as into our own little menswear bubble as, as you and I are, it's quite difficult for people to, to differentiate from it. We, we actually were in the pity this morning and we had a, a chat with, um, uh, with someone who had sort of knew, sort of, we'd never met properly, but sort of knew who I was. And she said to me, you used to dress very differently, didn't you? And it, so it was like, she couldn't quite figure out was what that was that a compliment on. or? I, I would like to think so. <laughs> I think that was another way of saying, God, you used to wear ties and now you look really scruffy. Um, but it was fine. <laughs> it was lovely. Um, okay, so comfort is big. Yeah, but also like, I, I would like to add on to have, it should be fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I choose to work in a creative uh, scene. It shouldn't be boring. And once again, to be able to skip the rules and, okay, black and brown, whatever, it's not super strange, but 
I could add on whatever if it, I feel that it's nice. That's interesting, actually, because you are wearing black and brown. You've yeah. Done, you've, you've snuck And white out. socks. And white socks, <laughs> rock and roll. What is, what is happening with the, with the young, young kids? <laughs> We're all, we've, all, we've, all, uh, we've all lost our way, clearly. Um, okay, cool. So comfort, having a bit of fun, not overthinking it by the sounds of it. No, I mean, it's not like I'm planning my, my like, daily wear more than like two minutes is in and out right changing diaper changing yeah, clothes yeah it's done but do you the flip side of that is i find that because i i do quite like to plan i will tend to plan what i in the certainly in the working week because i'm with different clients every day and different levels of formality i will actually do like a little uh wardrobe diary and i'll, I'll know what five looks i plan on wearing at the start of the week i find that works really well but i get stuck in kind of formulas yeah. So when I find a look that I like, I'll wear it like twice a week for three weeks before I have the brain power to figure out something new. And actually, I'm trying to get away from that. Sounds like you're making it a, a bit more complicated than it is. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's what I'm missing. Go by gut feeling. This is like fashion therapy, this. This is great. <laughs> uh, this is like I'm sat here with a psychiatrist. <laughs> so what you're saying is you, you don't plan at all. You just dive into the closet, figure out a vague... Idea. I mean, if it's a special event, for sure, but for a usual workday, no. That's interesting. Maybe I need to do that a bit more. We've talked a little bit about manufacturing. I wanted to touch on, I think you're, the tailoring block that you're working with at the moment is relatively yeah. new. Yeah, it is. And it's new got for quite, this season. quite a lot of, of positive attention. Yeah, Tell sure. me a little bit about, about how that's evolved. Um, I mean, we've been working with the same uh, maker for, for two, two or three years. We've been working with them quite close. Um, and then for, for this season, we developed something that's a bit more, a bit wider in the upper, um, a bit room in the body, uh, still a bit longer, lower buttering point, something that is not super commercial. Mm. Uh, but for us, it is. That's quite interesting, I think, that what's commercial for bigger brand is not the same for us. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Well, kind of a niche customer, uh, and they trust us, uh, which I think is lovely. Uh, and I, I think a lot of our customers are aspiring bespoke customers when it comes to tailoring or made to measure, or they just don't want to wait. Yeah, I think, um, well, certainly the quality of cloth you use is right up there with kind of as bespoke cloth, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. A lot I mean, of Fox it's and a lot of Zenia and a lot of really good cloth. Th that's the thing. I mean, the, like the Johnsons of Elgin cashmere blazer. Oh, that's awesome. It's, that thing. It's lovely, but you can't find that. I mean, in a shop at no. that price, we're not cheap in any matter, but it was. I think it's a great value. I would say you're very good value from what I've seen. I think it's pretty impressive, um, your price point. One thing that is interesting about that model is, as you've said, everything is, I, I'm sort of seeing in menswear, everything's sort of getting slightly lower again. Dropping. Quite, yeah, quite a lot of brands are going a little bit lower in the gorge, a bit kind of heavier in the chest. Yeah. What do you think that's coming in? I think it makes the expression looks a bit less tied up. Right. Um, and I think uh, less like it gets uh, the look uh, looks a bit more or less cocky. Right, it's if just it's that too bit tight. Easier. It's too. Ooh, um, uh, it's a bit pity oh. peacock, isn't it? And that's just, of course, one example of of how much time you spend refining your blocks and you're working with your factories. Yeah, I mean, even if it looks like um, the, the upper upper wear, like uh, tailoring and outwear, is a, a big part. It is, of course, but. The big thing for us is the trousers, which has been super successful. 
uh, and it's the same a bit higher, a bit more width. Um, and we, when we launched, launched our most popular model like uh, two years ago, it was crazy. Really? Like, Which model is that? Arnold. Arnold is two is one I'm, No, one Sing. inverted. Right. Uh, which is not uh, super common. And one back pocket, uh, side adjusters. I mean, it's something you could find now. But at that time, it was super well received. And that when we really feel, felt that we find, were finding our way forward. And in your own personal kind of career development with Bergenberg, how many years is it now you've been there? This is my fourth. Fourth, right. So you've had four years to kind of let the the brand identity and the collection mature i guess yeah exactly have you so got more... i've been uh, like following it right during uh, during the way um and, and, yeah and i presume you 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 feel like you've when did you feel like you hit your stride as a brand or are you still pushing what's hit your stride hit, hit your as in you 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 felt like yeah we've nailed it we've... <laughs> I, I never felt that we nailed it but <laughs> i mean we had some uh, some nice, nice uh, launches. I mean, like the the raglan coat and the just mentioned trouser. But I always think that you need to develop and as a person, uh, as a collection, as a brand. Uh, so I can't re- really say that ah, oh, I'm super happy and uh, let's close the book. Fair enough. You want to keep pushing. Yeah, trying what, to. What's on your list for 2020 then, as we progress through the year? What what can we expect to see? We have some really nice things uh, launching now for, for spring with a um, high twist linen quality that I'm quite proud of. High twist linen? Yeah, it's, uh, you can find something similar from, from Irish linen. Right. Uh, but this is made in Italy, so you get a nice soft touch, mm. less fresco like, mm-hmm. uh, but still not, I mean, not a typical linen, not too soft. And it's just, it, is it, it's, that sort of nice weighty linen that kind of rumples more than creases. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah, about nice. 360 grams. Cool. Good yeah, weight. So yeah. And we'll use it for trousers, shorts, jackets, uh, blazers. Awesome. All right. Well, I, that will be, I look forward to seeing that. And shoes. We're oh, making really? shoes made in England, which is also know. quite uh, quite nice. That's pretty big. Yeah. So now we're like, like we've been going in 10 years now. Uh, start out with socks and uh, scarves and now we have the complete look which is a milestone of course yeah awesome okay well I've got a few more questions for you and I've, I've run around the houses <coughs> a little bit with this interview but it's been really enjoyable um, I wanted to come back to talking about your visuals on the yep. website because I do really enjoy the styling do you style or is there a team uh, there's a creative team, cool. uh, which is me, myself, and I. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, this but, makes sense now. I've sat here and spoken to you. I can sense your presence in the campaigns. Um, now, okay. I, actually, I want to add on that for me, the aim is if we have a photographer and it's me and a model, I was like, okay, how could we make this look like it's made of a team of five or six people? Good thing. If, if, People think that, ah, oh, this must be a 10-person production. That's the best I could hear. That's the dream. Okay, I like that. Well, um, I would say I would say that uh, you do that all the time, from what I've seen. Okay. It looks great. Um, but I wanted to touch on the styling. It's a <laughs> no, it's a good but. I wanted to touch on the styling because, obviously, Bergenberg came, as we've said, from ties. 
and you, you do sell ties today, yeah. and they're part, but there are never any ties. I haven't seen any ties for a while. One, what is the, is the necktie guide? Where, do you want to see more ties? I mean, I personally am not fussed because I barely wear ties anymore. No, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, the brand um, and what we communicate is a lot of me. And I don't wear a tie more than like twice a month. Right. Um, and I don't really think that that's what we should push as a brand. And that doesn't feel as right at this time. Um, if, it, if I would feel that it's the way forward, yeah, sure. But I think it's much much more interesting to wear like layers like now with a turtleneck and a, a shirt uh, upon it and um, that kind of things instead of just a white, plain white shirt or striped shirt with a with a tie I mean it's not like I'm reinventing the wheel but no. uh, just something that feels a bit more interesting cool okay I dig that because I've this this look I love I've worn I weirdly we're sitting here I haven't got one on today, but I wear like overshirts and roll necks all the time. It just seems to work in any kind of context because you throw a blazer over it, you're really dressed up. Yeah, and you get some heat in the neck. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pra being practical. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then you, you, chuck, you, you chuck jeans on and a pair of loafers or sneakers. And it goes the other way. I think it's a great look. Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, is, is it fair to say that you, you, you are very firm in your convictions? As a creative and a designer. No, but the thing is, I'm quite careless. Okay. I mean, not that I don't care about our products, but I really don't care too much about what people will say. I mean, the Monocle Mafia, for example. Okay, you don't like me? Sure. A lot of people doesn't like me. But I, there are a lot of people that I, that I don't like, so... <laughs> it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I love that. And do you think that is a part of the secret of Bergenberg's success? This kind of... Uh, how do I put it? This this self-assurance that you know what you're doing works for your customer and you don't need to worry about anyone or anything else. No, I, th I think so, because that's the very nice part of being an e-com e um, brand serving the customers directly. It's not a big shop that would say, we won't buy this, we won't buy that, you should do this. And I guess you get direct feedback, because if you put a new product out and it flies, you know you've nailed yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. If you put a new product out and it's a little bit slower than you were hoping, then you know you know, you, you know to readdress that, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's also, like, we made a, a pair of tr tr denim now in Sweden this season. Uh, so made in Sweden, denim out of uh, Japanese um, fabric. Great. Uh, we were lovely, and we, we sold so well the first day. And like uh, our common friend Milad was so not, he was so excited. Okay, I'm from <laughs> Gothenburg. The denim is from Gothenburg. The fit is great. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, do more. Give yeah. me more. I love it. Um, I think that's a that's a really nice kind of um, closing maxim for for all our listeners as well. Is of course you are speaking on behalf of a brand, and we've been exploring the brand, but things when it comes to clothing seem to work out best if you just don't care too much yeah. care just enough care just enough and I, I don't mean in, it in a douchey way the thing that do not care about what other think but I mean it's your clothing it's your style it's your expression do it your way love it um, we, we could very easily end there but I have one more question for you yeah sure um, we talked a little bit about the kind of the things that you're responding to personally in menswear at the moment and it's comfort and it's layering and it's keeping it easy and it's having fun with the suit um but i just wanted to to make sure we don't miss anything 
Are there things that you're liking or not liking in menswear right now? Is there anything you want to really go for or challenge or... In terms of style or in general? Style, the industry, I think whatever. One problem in general, uh, and I know that's something you've been talking about in, in the show, but the thing about talking about the high quality menswear as something good for the environment, mm-hmm. which is kind of bullshit, yeah. frankly speaking. I mean, you, nothing in this business is good for the environment. It could be less bad. And that a lot of brands are using this in their communication is something that I really don't like. You don't dig. You don't trust it. No, but I mean, you make something good. We do nice stuff. And we we know that we care about the, um, the makers and their stuff and our stuff. But still, we're not making something that will save the, the planet. No, you're still using resources. Yeah. So... Do you think there's a solution or do we just have to accept that if we're interested in clothes, we're going to have an impact? We're going to have an impact and they could compensate in, in other ways, I think. Um, instead of like talking about buying less and buying better. Because if I talk to you or who else in this business, it's no one that buy less. Uh, I, Everyone has so much stuff. I absolutely, I'm so glad we've met and I applaud you for saying that on the podcast because it's something I've really struggled with since we started to talk to brands about sustainability because there are some brands out there, particularly brands that we've had on this podcast, who are doing an amazing job of trying to be as efficient as they can be. But you are are completely right in saying that it's it's not good for the environment, it's just less bad. And you're also right to call someone like me out and say, are you really going to buy any less? Because God, Sorry I, about that. I'm trying so hard, but I just bloody love clothes. So we perhaps we need to move the conversation on and perhaps this podcast can help and say, what can the menswear industry do elsewhere to offset its carbon footprint? Maybe that's how brands and individuals yeah. like me need to start thinking. I, mean, I don't know. We need to. I think we need to spend a lot more time thinking about that. But thank you for such a fascinating closing thought, Andreas. Thank you for coming on. Really, really interesting conversation. We went around the houses a little bit, but I think it was it was that was. There's a lot in there for us to go away and think about, and I'm sure our listeners will have enjoyed. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Gosh, wasn't that interesting, eh? I was fascinated by Andreas's pragmatic approach to the state of consumption today, and I admired his honesty. Props to Bergenberg, I say. Thank you as always to Birch for producing this podcast and to our sound editor, Joe Boyd. That's all for now, but we'll see you back here very, very soon. <laughs>